Well, good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? Good, good. Uh, my name is Kale, and um, I... <laughs> Uh, and I'm the Connections Pastor here at Antioch, and I uh, am excited to be continuing us on in our series this morning uh, called Good News, Great Joy. And we're going to be going into week two uh, this morning. And, um, but before we do, I, uh, I want to start off uh, a little differently than normal. Are you guys down to do something a little different? Great. This side of the room is ready. I feel it. I don't know about you guys, but we'll get there. Um, okay, so why don't everyone stand up? And um, I admittedly uh, did not ask permission to do this from Travis um, because I knew he would say no. So no, I'm just kidding. He would have said yes. Um, but hey, I want, to, um, I want to explain to you what I want you to do. Okay, um, so in a few minutes, I am going to say go. And when I say go... I want you to take your stuff with you, and I want you to move to a different seat in a different section uh, in the room, okay? Um, you can go with, if you came here with a few people this morning, you don't have to go solo. You can go with them, but a different section in a different room, okay? Are you guys ready? Oh, same room, same room, okay. Please don't leave. <laughs> okay, go. <laughs> All right. Keep it going. All right, 60 more seconds. You guys are too friendly. Don't don't greet people. Just get to the the new spot. All right. Another 30 seconds. Getting settled in. Okay. You guys there? How's the new view? <laughs> You're like, I just found my favorite seat. Awesome. This is great. Get some new faces up in the front. New faces back in the back. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, well, hey, I wanted to start that way. I know it may seem a little silly and crazy, just Kale being Kale, um, but I, uh, I wanted us to do that this morning because as we approach this topic of joy, and even if we scale back a little bit to the Christmas season at large, um, I think a lot of times we have a tendency to approach things that we think we know or understand kind of half-heartedly, okay? So it's like, like the Christmas story, for example, okay? We all know the Christmas story. To say that I've heard the Christmas story once or twice in my life is a gross understatement, okay? I've heard it every year. I know the Christmas story. We got baby Jesus, of course, at the top. And we got a manger. He's in a manger. What else we got? Christmas story. Shepherds, yes. Wise men, angels. We got everything. Even if you didn't grow up in church like me, um, 
you could pro- I could probably ask anyone up here to, or anyone in, out in the crowd to come up here this morning and you could tell us the Christmas story. I'm not going to do that, don't worry. Some of you are like, please, no. But you, we could do that because it's familiar to us. It's, it's familiar to us. And uh, I'm no expert on Christmas, but I did play Joseph one year in my uh, Christmas uh, play. And uh, I didn't try out or anything. I think I just was like the only kid with a beard. And so they were like, you got the part. You got the part. Um, but, yeah, I just, I, I think for us this morning, again, as we look at not just the Christmas story, but this topic of joy, one of the central themes of Christmas, I just don't want us to come in like we would in, in, on a Sunday and just sit on our normal seats and kind of sit comfortably and just kind of come unexpected. It's like, it's like going in to see a movie you've already seen before. It's like, oh, if we come in a little bit late, it's okay. I've already seen the first part 20 different times anyways. And would we, church family, not do that this morning with the Christmas story? Would we not do that with joy? And my hope and prayer is that any time we ever come into this building, we would come with full hearts, expectant hearts to receive from God because God is here. He's here and he's moving and he, he wants to speak. And so uh, I know it's just a silly illustration, okay? It's maybe not even a good one, okay? But could we allow it to mean something more this morning? Could we do that together as a family? Could we allow maybe the, the physical posture of our bodies represent something deeper that's going on inside of our hearts? To where we say, okay, God, I'm not just coming in comfortably in my own preset way of thinking and in my own, like, oh, I've heard it all before, but that we would come expectant to say, God, would you, would you wow me again? Like, could you imagine hearing the Christmas story the first time? What had been like to be like, wait, Jesus, but he was born in a, in a manger? What? Like, plot twist. Could you imagine feeling that and, and allowing your heart to fully gain weight? The Savior of the world came as a baby in a manger so that I could know him? I believe God wants to do, just like he invaded heaven in, a, in that lowly manger, that today he wants to invade our hearts again. And he wants to bring us joy, renewed and fresh, revived joy. And so I want us to pray. And so why don't you just, where you're seated, your new seat, you can put your hand over your heart. And maybe even instead of me praying for you, I just want to take a minute for you to pray to your heavenly father. And you don't have to pray out loud if you're uncomfortable with that, but maybe just in the quietness of your heart. You can just take a moment with your hand on your heart just to say, God, I am fully here. You have all of me, not part of me, not part of my attention. You have all of my attention. And so, Jesus, we come. We come with with hearts that are leaning in, pressing in to what it is you would want to say this morning. We don't just come in comfortable or we're not just sitting in the back of our seats. God, we're, we're leaning in and pressing in because we know that you are here and that you have something you want to speak and give us this morning. And 
So we just say that we're ready to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thanks for doing that. You guys are awesome. So we're talking about joy this morning. And uh, instead of maybe typically kind of talking about the difference between joy and happiness and how joy isn't like happiness and happiness isn't like joy, instead of kind of looking it through that same framework uh, in the spirit of doing things a little bit differently, I want to approach joy this morning by looking at two different types of joy, okay? The first is divine joy. Everyone say divine joy. And the other is something I want to refer to as this morning as cheap joy. <laughs> you guys are locked in. I love it. Cheap joy. And there's so much we could talk about when looking at these two types of joys. And I am not even going to come close to having time to talk about everything this morning. And so... I just, I, what I want us to do is I want to I look at a few important truths that we can take away from what we see in Scripture and our understanding of divine joy and cheap joy. And I, I want it to help us grow in our understanding of joy and empower us to walk in greater depths of it. You guys in for that this morning? Who wants to be, who wants to grow in their understanding of joy? Yeah, I'm in. Both hands for me. Who, who wants to be empowered to walk in the greater depths of it? Yeah, we need that this Christmas season. So here we go. I want to start by talking about cheap joy. Everyone say cheap joy. Cheap joy is joy that is rooted in pleasurable feelings and favorable circumstances. It's often tied to what we can see, what we can touch, watch, eat, drink, purchase, or consume. We're familiar with cheap joy. Probably um, my greatest moment of experiencing cheap joy um, was a time I had in Indonesia. Um, me and my wife were finishing up our discipleship school year. This was several years ago. And uh, we went after, at the, as the school closed, we went on a trip to overseas to Indonesia. Now, I had never been to Indonesia before. I'd never been overseas before. And so I was excited about being able to experience something new and the newness of everything. But what I didn't maybe fully understand at the time was that people in other parts of the world don't, like, eat the same things that we do. You guys know that? Like, like, I'm used to eating cheeseburgers and french fries, and little did I know when I stepped on the soil of Indonesia that it was going to look a lot different. They had a different menu than maybe I was supposed to. I'm not a picky eater, but I do have a refined palate, okay? <laughs> and uh, so... Long story short, we get to Indonesia, and I quickly realize, okay, this is going to look different. So I try out a few things, and I really only find, like, one thing that I enjoyed while I was there, and it was rice, okay? <laughs> and uh, not, not to get me wrong, I love me some rice. I love rice. I love white rice. I love fried rice. I love it all, okay? But, you know, like, week one of eating rice is okay. You know, like, okay, this is great. I love all rice for breakfast. Got a little rice for lunch, got a little rice for dinner. It's okay. Week two is kind of interesting because you begin to be like, I feel like I need to add something to this rice, but I don't want to, and so I'm just going to keep eating rice. And then week three is like, I never want to hear the word rice again. Don't ever any, it's a trigger word for me. Don't say rice, okay? Messes me up. 
Um, and so we get to the end of this trip, and we're in the airport, and we're on our way home. We're walking through the airport, I'm with a few friends, and I see over this way a star, a big star. You know, we're in the Christmas season, not that star. And it was Carl's Jr. <laughs> and I knew it was a holy moment. And uh, I see this Carl's Jr. and I'm like, okay, this is gonna be great. Now I wasn't too like caught off by this because as many of you who've traveled way more before me, you know that there's, there's Western restaurants and things like that in other parts of the world, but it's always different. It's never the same, okay? Like a Big Mac here is not the same as a Big Mac anywhere else. And so we go to Carl's Jr., order some things, and we sit down, and I get my burger, and I take a bite, and I take another bite, and then I take another bite, <laughs> and tears <laughs> begin welling up within my eyes. I'm not kidding. I'm not, you could, I think Josiah was there. He cried more than I did, but... <laughs> We're eating this burger, and I'm just like, oh, Jesus, thank you so much. This is the best burger I've ever had. To this day, best burger I've ever had is in the Indonesian airport at Carl's Jr. It's delicious, okay? It's, it's joy, but it's cheap joy, okay? That's what cheap joy looks like, literally cheap, because it probably only cost me like two American dollars, but also cheap because... We all know that that kind of joy doesn't last, don't we? It doesn't last. Even though it comes in tears in a moment, it quickly fades. Cheap joy is joy that is always tethered to the temporary. By nature, it's always bound to time. You, you can't separate the two. It's always tethered to the temporary. The food we eat, the money we make, the car we drive, the house we live in the entertainment that we consume, the relationships we have, all of it may be cause for great joy in our lives, but it is always tethered, tied, bound to temporary pleasure. And it's not that we shouldn't have any of these things. That's not what my message is about this morning. It's not about, hey, just you know, get rid of everything, sell everything, and you know those things. I'm not talking about this morning. They're not bad in nature, but what I want us to understand is this. Cheap joy, or what I said is the cheap joy is, oh my goodness, what is that saying? <laughs> what I want us to understand this morning about cheap joy is that you were not created to have what entertains you be what sustains you. You were not created to have what entertains you be the same thing that sustains you. And the danger we all face with cheap joy is when we elevate the experience and pursuit of it to an unrightful place in our lives. When we do that, we lead our lives and our souls into potential places for disappointment, destruction, and despair. I want to look real quickly at King Solomon in Scripture. He was known as a good king. He had great favor with the Lord. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, he describes what I think this unrightful elevation of cheap joy looks like. It's not going to come up on the screen, but in Ecclesiastes 2.1, he says this, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. He then goes on to describing in great detail what the testing of that pleasure actually looked like, but he sums it up really in verse 10. 
He says this, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. Could you imagine what that looks like? It's like, it's like winning the lottery times a thousand or a million or whatever. To deny your heart no pleasure. It'd be like if I gave you a list and said, hey, write down a hundred things that you just are like, I would want this. This would be amazing. And then when you got done, I was like, great, here's another list of a hundred things. Just keep going until you die. And you can have everything, anything you want, all of it. Our minds can't even get there. It's crazy. But here's the thing. After all of that, after listing out all these things, he says this in verse 11. Catch this. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil that I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Solomon was a man who had maybe climbed higher than any other person before on the mountain of cheap joy. He experienced more than any of you and I maybe ever will in a lifetime. And at the end, he says, it's all just striving for the wind. It's like you're collecting shadows. There's a different joy that you and I were made to delight in. And it's nothing like the cheap joy stuff. It doesn't even come close. The joy that you and I were made to delight in and experience is the divine joy of Jesus. It's what the Christmas season is all about. It's what the angel said in Luke 2 when he was with the shepherds that I've come to bring you good news and great joy. What is it? It's a sign will be for you. It's a baby lying in a manger. It's Jesus. The person of Jesus is here and in him you can have a joy that is no longer tethered or bound to anything. It's rooted in who he is. Divine joy isn't like cheap joy. It's, it isn't bound to emotion or feeling or tethered to the temporary. It is rooted and established in the delight of knowing him and being known by him. Knowing Jesus and being known by him. I love the way this one author puts it. He says this, spiritual joy or divine joy in our sake does not depend on the outward circumstances of life but rather it wells like a fountain from the inner soul. It is confined to no place, bound by no time, and may grow where earthly gladness would perish. Can you see the beauty of divine joy this morning? You put both on a scale and cheap joy starts to really diminish in light of the divine joy, one that blooms and thrives where cheap joy has no business even growing. We see this kind of joy all throughout the book of Philippians. Philippians is Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. And in this letter specifically, he uses the Greek words for joy and rejoicing 16 times in 104 verses, which may not be like an overwhelming statistic, except for the fact that this letter by Paul was written while he was in prison in a Roman prison for four years, surrounded by every conceivable obstacle to his joy, how is it that Paul could still be so overcome by it? This is what he says in Philippians 3, 7 through 8. He says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. 
Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul was able to write these words because his joy was not a cheap joy bound to favorable circumstances. It was rooted and established in his knowing of Jesus. And this is the good news for you and I today, that our joy no longer has to be subject to our circumstances. The joy that you and I experience, the joy that you and I are invited into, no longer has to be subject to our circumstances. And aligning our heart with divine joy doesn't mean that we don't experience sorrow. It doesn't mean that we go, don't go through trials. It doesn't mean that we don't experience heartache, but it means that our joy doesn't have to come into agreement with the sorrow that we're experiencing. It's not like cheap joy. Cheap joy always has to answer to your circumstances. Divine joy never has to do that. Divine joy doesn't have to answer to what calls it into question because it's already been spoken for by Jesus. I want to... Um, look at one final expression of divine joy this morning, and it's found in Psalm 51. You can turn there in your Bibles this morning. And I think this example may um, hit a little more home for us because it's David's prayer to God after one of his biggest failures. Anyone ever make a few mistakes in your life? Yeah. And um, here, David has just made a pretty big one. Actually, two, because he's committed murder and adultery, kind of in one foul swoop. And the elevation of cheap joy in his heart has led him into sin and left him in great despair. After being confronted by the prophet Nathan, he cries out to God in verses 8 through 12, and he says this, Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And, take your Holy, and, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. It's out of an empty soul that David cries out to God and realigns his heart again in divine joy. And I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what circumstances you're in or... And we've been talking a lot about different things, cheap joy and divine joy. And I don't know where you are. Maybe your heart has become tethered and tangled up in cheap joy like David. And your prayer this morning is just, Lord, restore my joy again. But I, I think sometimes when we come to things like this, it's easy to or on this topic of joy, it's easy to be like, okay, well, I don't want to give my heart away to cheap joy, and I want this divine joy, but what do I do in the middle? What do I do when my heart feels so sick? What do I do when I'm worn out, when I feel so empty? And um, I remember when 
um, they asked me to speak a, a few weeks ago on this subject, and I, I was like, oh man, I'm so honored to be able to speak, and they were like, yeah, it's going to be on joy and the joy of your salvation, and I remember, remember saying yes, and then going in my car and quickly being like, Lord, I can't do this, because I've just been in kind of like a weird season. Has anyone been in a weird season? <laughs> Come on, get some amens on that one. And I, not like, not denying God or not believing, any, not any of that stuff, but my heart just has felt like not as joyful as it usually is. I've been trying to press through the Christmas season and look at different things, and I just, I've felt just like, like I've lost something. Like I've lost some of the joy that I normally have. And I remember this past Thanksgiving, um, I did not have a good Thanksgiving. <laughs> if I can be a little um, vulnerable with you guys this morning. I remember waking up, Allie was sick. My wife Allie was sick again. This is year two of being sick on Thanksgiving. And uh, so that was a bummer. Um, we got in a fight on, on Thanksgiving. Fight with your wife on Thanksgiving. It's kind of weird. It makes, makes the turkey not taste as good. So it's just like a bummer. I'm like, what is going on? And then I remember we had to go get something or, or something. And I remember pulling out my phone, looking at my bank account. And I had like a negative balance in my bank account. And I'm like, what? it's Thanksgiving. And I'm supposed to be like thankful for these things. And I remember getting in my car and just having this moment with the Lord. And I'm, I'm like, God, I, I'm not really thankful for much right now. I'm frustrated, and my heart is tired, and I know I'm supposed to be joyful, and I, I know I'm supposed to speak on joy, and I, I, what's going on in my heart? I just, was, I just was lost in the middle of it. And I love that we took communion this morning because something that the Lord had done about a, a, about a month ago, back, backtracking a little bit, is, is that I felt like he was asking me to start taking communion every day. And I was like, okay, well, I, you know, work at a church, and so I've got communion elements pretty much everywhere. So, like, okay, I didn't, I didn't, it didn't think of, it didn't feel like this weighty thing. It just felt like, okay, like, I guess I'll do that. And, and so Thanksgiving was a bummer. I come into the office after Thanksgiving, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to take communion. So I go in the prayer room, and I have this moment with the Lord, I take out the the same cup and the, and the juice that we had this morning. And I remember looking at it, and I don't know how to describe it, but it just, it was different. Out of the sorrow and maybe chaos of my heart, as I took the bread or the wafer and I, and I broke it, I, I remember just, my mind just began to be flooded with the reality that Jesus paid a price so that I could be welcomed into his joy, not a joy of my own. Not a cheap joy that's bound to circumstances and, and bound to, to just my heart feeling good, but a, a joy that's the reality of who he is, that it's available to me in all things, in all circumstances. And then I took the cup and I, I drank it and I'm just in the prayer room by myself and I, I, I don't know how to explain it, but it just, it tasted sweeter. It just tasted sweeter. And I had this moment with the Lord just going, God, I feel like such a mess. And I don't know what to do with that. 
And I know that I've been, there's, sure, there's places in my heart where I've given myself to cheap joy, and I, and I want this divine joy, but what do I do in the space? And I love this text from, from David. I love the way that in the middle of his brokenness, in the middle of his mess, he calls out to God and says, God, I've given my heart to the cheap joys, and I've wasted away. My bones are aching and I want again to be restored into the joy of your salvation, the joy of knowing you and being found in you. And so that's what I want us to do this morning. You can go ahead and stand up and we're gonna move into a time of response. And I, um, I, I wanna say this. I, in looking at these joys, I, I don't, I don't pretend to be an expert on the topic of joy by any means. On my best day, I just, I read the word of God and ask his Holy Spirit to come and teach me and lead me in the joy that I know that he brings. But I do know without a doubt that there is joy in Jesus. And I know that it's a joy unlike any other joy. I know that it's a joy that is not bound to just everything feeling good. It's a joy that Paul can experience in prison. It's a joy that David can call out to and have restored unto him in the middle of his mess. And it's a joy that's available to you this morning not out of your own effort, not out of you sitting there and trying to be more joyful but I picture it as a, as a table. We call the front, this, um, we've called the front the past few weeks, the river. You know, come to the river and, and delight in, in the Lord. And I just, this morning, I wanna call it a table. And at the table, if you can just imagine, there's this long like feasting table and there's chairs all lined up. And you see, as you look at the chairs, you see name tags written on the back of the chairs. And you see one, and you recognize some of the names. Oh, that's for so-and-so. Oh, that's for this. Oh, that's for them. And you're glancing down, and you come to a chair, and your name is written on the back. It's a table that the Lord has prepared for you. It's the same table that David himself describes as a table that the Lord prepares in the presence of his enemies. And there's a seat at that table for you this morning to come in and to eat and to drink of the joy of Jesus and to delight in him again. Pray with me. Jesus, we we come to you because you alone have the words of life. And in the mess of our own heart and chasing after cheap joys, we don't hide our face from you, God. We, we run to you because it's your kindness that leads us closer to you and that draws us in. And you have the joy that our hearts are, are desperate for. You have a sustaining joy. You have, in you, God, you have this joy that our hearts are aching and longing for. And so this morning, God, we just, we come and and we pray with David that you would restore to us the joy of our salvation. We come, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to open up the front this morning. Open up the front for you to come and, 
and just meet with the Lord. We started the service out a little bit differently, didn't we? Maybe, maybe doing something that you're not used to, doing something that maybe is outside of your comfort zone. And I just wanna challenge us this morning to go there with the Lord. He, he is the one who, who has this joy that he wants to give you. I've, I've said what I need to say. The Lord now wants to speak to you in your heart. He wants to pull out that chair and have you sit and, and he wants to commune with you this morning. And so this, this front space is open. I just wanna invite you to come and let the Lord minister to your heart this morning.